0: hello and welcome to film inquiries the latest this is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news movie trends and movie releases i'm your host jesse nessman and my guest today very welcome to have him on his very first uh the latest appearance is uh inside the film room co-host uh johnny sobjack welcome
1: hello everyone uh thank you so much First off, to uh, Jesse for asking me to come on. Um, I've uh, been on a podcast with Jesse once before, and it was a lot of fun. Um, So I was looking forward to uh, making another stop. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, really excited. It's uh, it'll be an interesting one to discuss this week for sure. Um, yeah, I-
0: ironically, bringing you back on to discuss Zack Snyder again because yeah. uh, the lost podcast <laughs> episode that <laughs> from a previous series that I did uh was uh we we actually talked about Watchmen for a series I did like we last sure year. Do. Um, but before we get to talking about Army of the Dead, which is going to be our main subject today uh wanted to briefly go through a few bits of news first just gotta we gotta pour some out here get get your forties out get <laughs> whatever you wanna do we need to uh. we need to send some up for from a boy, Charles Groden, who sadly passed away at the age of eighty six this past week uh i don't I don't know what your relationship is with Groden, just I think like one of the most like underrated like hysterically funny people in the movies um audience you know listeners probably know him for stuff like heartbreak kid or heaven can wait or midnight run if you were a kid that grew up in the 80s or 90s you probably know him for either beethoven or the great muppet caper um (laughs) i i in particular like watched heartbreak Kid. have you ever seen heartbreak kid before
1: so i'll just i'll put this out at the top that i haven't seen any of like the three major films that you just listed okay Um, but my main experience is definitely as a 90s kid (laughs) um seeing some beethoven films with yes him, with him in it so i remember him as the dad in those but
0: i would definitely recommend midnight run which is kind of like a buddy action movie with him and de niro um i oh, mean okay. grodan you you kind of get the gr- if you've seen beethoven the Grodin persona which is um pretty <laughs> grumpy pretty deadpan a little bit self-loathing um heartbreak kid though him in that movie uh from 1972 I think one of the funniest on screen performances ever. It is so like wonderfully deadpan and a bit like hysterical. Um, that movie's a little hard to find. Uh you yeah. might have to go through some questionable means to find it. Uh <laughs> every now and then someone like puts it up on YouTube, um, which is how I saw it, like a couple months ago be- before he died, strangely enough. Yeah. Um, but I just a hysterically funny movie and someone who I think is just like a really gifted unique uh comedic performer so we just like encourage anyone to kind of check out anything that he's in
1: yeah um i i mean midnight run i had heard of that title before um but wasn't really familiar with it at all and definitely wouldn't have associated his name with it um right. i didn't i didn't even know that robert de niro was the uh the other uh, yeah. lead in that film um so i'm that sounds really fun though like i'm definitely interested to uh check that out and i think it's uh, always important to with comedic actors, especially and like, right within certain, certain styles of comedy um, to like recognize just how great um, as performers and as actors um, they are. Uh, Cause I feel like a lot of times that just gets overlooked uh, until it's too late seemingly, which is yeah, like, kind of, almost feels like the case with this, but um, yeah, certainly a, a, a big loss, but 86 years can't, uh, can't argue too much with that. It's a pretty good run. So
0: yeah, definitely. Uh another kind of key news item. We're gonna get a little bit business insider <laughs> here. Get my business management um, skills out. <laughs> some some pretty big uh things happening in the sort of streaming universe. I feel like we need to touch on because I think most of our listeners, I'm sure, subscribe to streaming services. They love to watch movies at home, and both of these will potentially kind of affect that. Um mm-hmm. I think the biggest one is this merger between Warner Media and Discovery, um, which I think, from a business standpoint, you know, AT and T bought Warner Media not too long ago. I guess it was, it's it was with, about
1: three. It was almost three years ago now. Yeah, I, I was
0: about to say. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, much smarter than me, wrote about at the time that kind of being this uh, symbolic gesture of this big telecommunications company being like we we want to get in the business of entertainment and have um you know i don't think they ever went as far as to say like (laughs) you have to be an at&t customer to watch game of thrones or something like right like that but essentially like working with that strategy and i think tried to sort of build out hbo max as this big competitor to netflix we we can argue a little bit back and forth about whether or not that you know I think the kind of rollout of that that web or that service was a bit of a mess and yeah um this to m- me seems like you know I think from the business standpoint it seems like AT and T sort of signaling yeah we we have no idea what we're doing with like uh, like creating content that is not our thing we want people to like subscribe to something and. I read a lot of interesting pieces of this past week that kind of broke down that the the thing that was sort of missing from the HBO max launch is sort of passive TV. You know, like I'm, I'm someone who's willing to admit, like I love to shut my brain off and watch like some bar rescue or some like reality (laughs) TV myself. Right. And, you know, with discovery, you're getting kind of like the HD TVs and the TLCs of the world. And, I think if you're going to compete with something like Netflix or even to some extent like Disney plus like Netflix is in the, the the business of just everything, right. like make all kinds of shows. It's not just sort of the prestige TV and kind of what seems to have been the issue with the Warner media, AT&T stuff is kind of like, can we turn HBO, which is this very like niche prestige property and take all these more media brands and sort of, build out and create various different kinds of entertainment but now this seems to be a little bit more of a potentially healthier marriage where i think now they're sort of acquiring things that you know the people who want to just like watch joanna Gaines, i guess on like a sunday can can subscribe to hbo max instead of being like can we get the people at hbo to make like a weird reality tv show i don't know do do you have any kind of extra thoughts on it
1: right i uh I definitely hear your, what you're saying. And honestly, I was not even aware. I mean, this deal seemingly came out of nowhere. I don't know. I had no idea. I just kind of took a glance at uh, Twitter uh, while I was at work one day and it was like, Oh wow. This discovery uh, merger is, is happening. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. They're talking about AT&T spinning off. I'm just like, I mean, I realized that there had been lots of issues, of course, structurally um, with uh, AT&T and and Warner since the merger. Um, And HBO Max, the launch of that service was a big part of that um, because it it did underwhelm and it was a bit messy and it's seemingly uh, like a lack, almost like a lack of like synergy within the company. Yeah, Um, definitely. And just having a, an aimless kind of direction uh and that's a very much a contrast to something like disney uh and disney plus because keep in mind we were talking about three years ago about since at&t acquired warner media and that that happened right about the same time as the disney and fox deal was kind of in play and being and being talked about um and I feel like this one didn't really get as much play or as much attention um for whatever reason just because hey superheroes were not involved right. um so <laughs> it wasn't a matter of uh captain at and being able to be on screen with batman at the same time but right it was uh yeah it's been strange and and hbo max has had its ups and downs um and of course one of the biggest high profile missteps but also kind has turned into a positive it seems like it was the the hbo max and warner brothers uh film right hybrid release strategy that came about at the end of last year and has been ongoing of course all this year uh there was a lot of pushback on that it was like pretty controversial not even necessarily for the strategy in and of itself but the way that they handled it and announced it right uh, kind of unilaterally decided hey this is what's going to happen um and while, yeah, it was definitely controversial, I mean, I I, I think one of the key points to that uh, that you can, like, look back at is Denny Villeneuve specifically was just, he did that open letter, I think, with a variety. Right. Um, and just was, like, demolishing AT&T specifically. And they're like, yeah, they just took Warner and they are just completely destroying it. Like, they don't care about the artistic nature of this business. they right. they, aren't, they aren't familiar with how this, this works. Um, all the, all they care about is, you know, the bottom line and the stockholders and all that. Uh, which isn't wrong. <laughs> um no. and I think you're <laughs> you're you're kind of seeing that this spin-off that they're doing with Warner is indicative of that. Um I am I don't think it's any mystery or you know secret that I am a big fan of a lot of the properties and the the productions that Warner does have going on and has ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've been, I grew up a fan of DC Comics. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan, of course, and Tenet. I mean, that's a whole other thing that we could talk about. That's, that's a and whole other whatever, can of worms. Whatever is going to happen. Yeah, whatever is going to happen with Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Um, uh, you know, Dune, all that stuff, Game of Thrones, all the shows that they have in the pipeline, HBO Max. Um, a lot, many of them I'm excited for. And I just hope that... And it seems like, you know, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, but I think that this is the right move and will hopefully lead to um just a clearer vision yeah and uh, a a stronger hierarchical um like management system and and just a a streamline of everything really whether it's streaming uh basic television the film production side of things uh marketing um right i think it could it could have a lot of upside but it is a bit of a shock at the same time
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of the, like, I've I've heard it sort of referred to this week as like the double-edged sword of like all the, you know, the the positivity of maybe like a bit of a clearer vision and more of an under, you know, partnering with a company that knows how to do this kind of programming and that being, you know, a better partnership and hopefully like clearer vision with what they want for this streaming service and this kind of grouping of content with also sort of the the hesitation and doom and gloom of like right. all of our content is being made by <laughs> like three people, three, com- right. three or four companies, which, you know, kind of brings me to the, you know, the, the, the other kind of news, which um, I might be wrong and th- this is dropping on Monday. So something could happen uh, since then, but I don't think it's been made like totally official yet, but you know, the reports that Amazon is looking to buy right. MGM, yeah. which <laughs> um you know is is pretty uh you, you know there, MGM obviously has these kind of important brands like James Bond that it does the distribution for but i think what this really is is amazon saying we want the MGM library and mm-hmm. and to uh, have a streaming service that i then would think in terms of movie lovers like you and i and so many of the listeners of this show that puts amazon at even like a bigger competitor to something like you know warner media has mm. the the warner brothers library and that's been a great asset disney i think unfortunately hasn't totally decided what they want to do with the the fox <laughs> stuff which is a bit annoying um but yeah. I, I i don't know i i hope this does if this does happen and amazon gets these properties it doesn't make them less accessible i think one of the things that's been a little scary to me about the disney fox stuff is you know repertory screenings and stuff like that getting right. shut down and it's become even less accessible to some of these titles i don't know are you are you a little bit more like positive <laughs> excited about the idea of <laughs> mgm which it is kind of a struggling studio a little bit um, right. and i know you know they've they've partnered with annapurna and kind of like re revive united artists seemingly yeah, they, um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Do you do you see like a potential Amazon (laughs) acquisition as a positive thing? Maybe something that's a little scary.
1: Right. Um, Well, it's always a little scary when you're talking about these kind of more traditional, like legacy companies, and and getting acquired by like new tech. (laughs) Um, Right. It's uh, because it's not. You know, it's not normal. I mean, it's not really. It's not like precedented really at this point. Like this is all. Even things that have happened the last few years, like were unforeseen a decade right. ago, um, so yeah, it's definitely worrisome. Um, but at the same time, again, the double edged sword. Honestly, the MGM Amazon thing, it makes a ton of sense. Um,
0: yeah,
1: uh, I think that Amazon, particularly, you know, the thing with them is they're not a streaming company. They're not. Right a film production company. They're not um, just a grocery store or like a book website. Like they they truly do everything at this point. Um, and yeah, Amazon has a ton of issues ethically and, and morally speaking, uh, as, as all these corporations do. Yes. Um, but st- they're incredibly structurally sound. Uh, they have more than enough capital to move around and uh, make things happen on the production side of things. And as far as the streaming and, and film production, they've been extremely consistent um, mm-hmm. over the last five years or so um, with producing films, acquiring films, distribution, theatrical distribution. I mean, I saw Manchester by the sea and cold war in theaters. Like they, right. they you know, had both of those films. Those were both, you know, awards players, Oscar contenders. Um, and that's just two off the top of my head. Um, and so, MGM, uh, conversely, they have, they've had tons of debt problems, right? Um, but they, artistically speaking, are doing great work right now. Like they mm-hmm. are behind, uh, PTA's new film, Soggy Bottom. Let's they are behind, go, <laughs> they are behind, um, House of Gucci from Ridley Scott. Uh, oh, interesting. Really looking I, forward I to that they're, was going there. They're, um, uh, also have, uh, Lord and Miller's upcoming sci-fi film with Ryan Gosling, uh, Project Mm -hmm. Hail Mary on the slate. Um, They have a great slate upcoming. And of course, Bond is another major factor in there as far as distribution. Um, So they're doing great things with their green lighting, uh, with their production and distribution. Amazon, historically, has been doing great work in that as well. MGM, their issue is money. So if you just infuse them, take care of that. I think that it could be a healthy relationship and, and something that's beneficial for both sides. Again, you wish in an ideal r- world, these things could remain separate, but right. Given where everything's headed, I, this, there's a lot worse options than what this could be. And I hope honestly that it just goes through because, um, I think it sounds like there it's a pretty good deal. Uh, yeah. At this point.
0: Yeah. And would definitely be exciting if, you know it 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 winds up being this thing kind of like with the the warner brothers hbo max stuff of like you have this whole like library of film right. history for that's all of a sudden at everyone's fingertips and stuff that right. would normally be kind of hard to find um well in the spirit exactly. of hopefully being a, a little positive let's let's jump into our our official discussion of um kind of the big movie of the weekend which is Another yeah. Zack Snyder movie. He's back. Another streaming movie. As um, well. Army of the Dead. I think you and I are kind of on the same place about this. I think you and I <laughs> are glad. a little bit like below what the 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 consensus seems to be. The consensus yeah. from what I am hearing seems to be people saying like, I don't know, I had an okay time. Um yeah. I let let's I'll I'll toss the bottle to you first. Like what what were kind of your thoughts immediately finishing this?
1: <laughs> okay well immediately finishing it um yeah i uh pretty much from the get-go <laughs> with this film uh, and you say what were my immediate thoughts from the beginning or from the ending and now i'm gonna go back uh a year ago from when they really were like talking about this movie but like i never really was excited about this movie like full disclosure okay. um i in my relationship with zack snyder i mean that could be a whole podcast episode on its own but basically growing up and then as a teenager very much a fan um especially once he got into the dc side of things because as i said earlier i was always a fan of, of the comics um and then you know subsequently over the last few years i've just completely like fallen out of that kind of zone and that that mm-hmm. kind of taste where i was at with zack snyder um and so this another zombie movie okay cool you know dawn of the dead was really well received and i think a store guard is one of his better films um yeah i was just like "Mm, we'll see what happens and uh yeah basically from beginning to end and by a ton of credits rolled with this i was just i just was so over i really thought that it was just a bad movie (laughs) um no like no uh no lie i just was not uh entertained i didn't think it was mindless fun entertainment i didn't think uh you know, and, and at two and a half hours, it wasn't just a breezy watch either. It wasn't just something I could like, kind of casually throw on and and uh, knock out. Really, quick. that
0: was something that blew my. I was gonna like fire it up last <laughs> night, and was like coming back from like a very late <laughs> dinner, and was like, ah, it's gonna be like an hour and forty minutes or something. And it was like, it's two and a half hours, but
1: yeah, uh, yeah, um, that,
0: that became an, an early morning viewing t- today. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Um, so
1: you're fresh. You're totally fresh. I'm, but- I'm
0: totally fresh from the 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 netflix palace where yes. I consumed Zack snyder's zombie <laughs> fest
1: so yeah so that was just and it wasn't um you know with Zack snyder's films i think you can always rely on one key element and that's getting some good visuals right mm-hmm. i think even if you detest his movies in general like you can't deny that he has some amazing effects some amazing shots cinematography all that uh but in this it seemed like that was completely absent and this is notably his first film as his own cinematographer usually mm-hmm. he'd be collaborating with someone else usually larry fawn historically uh has been his dp and on this it was just uh yeah him free reign you know net the netflix way just give him all the money and all the uh the uh, freedom to do what he wants and uh i think that that probably was one of the worst things that could have been done um with zack snyder in this this movie in particular because it just felt it just felt like everything was like bloated to the max, and I've also seen people, as far as the reception that you alluded to earlier, it, a lot of a lot of comments I've seen saying, "Oh, this is Zack Snyder not giving in to his worst instincts or like not indulging in his typical mm-hmm. um, elements." And I like really couldn't disagree with that more. Honestly, I don't know how you you feel about that. Um, I thought that this was, I mean if you if you just handed this to me and I'd never heard of the movie ever, never knew that it was mm. getting made and just watched it without any credit to any particular filmmaker. I mean, I could easily tell you that it was either Zack Snyder or just some random guy that I'd probably never heard of before. Like I would never attribute this to like some other known filmmaker. Um So, yeah, I was uh, I would say I was disappointed, but I never was really excited or like had those expectations. But it, I still think even with that said, it was worse than i expected it to be or was led to believe based on the initial response or reviews
0: yeah i i know when hunter howman and i discussed the, his you know larger career during the our justice league episode uh, i guess about a month ago you know i think both of us kind of landed on maybe his dawn of the dead remake is maybe like his best movie and were or or our favorite of of his his pictures and I think had some hope of like, oh, maybe like the idea of him just doing like a nasty zombie movie that's also a heist movie would be pretty fun. And I I think it's really interesting you bring up the visual thing of it, because that that was something I definitely wanted to bring up as well is, you know, I agree with you. Love him or hate him. I'm generally not a, a Zack Snyder fan, but. The one thing kind of everyone can sort of agree on is he he has a knack for striking imagery and mm-hmm. and doing these these very um kind of visually uh, impressive kind of panoramic uh sort of highly stylized mm-hmm. uh slow motion sequences and I, I I think just even like I am not a fan of like his his DC movies necessarily but there there is very kind of like clear you can clearly see both the advertising uh influence on him as well as the like comic book influence on him in just the some of the the shot choices and how he will just sort of like hold on these very kind of heroic poses Mm -hmm. and this movie looks really bad (laughs) like this (laughs) this kind of looks like the, the sort of two examples that like popped into my head as i was watching is this kind of looks like at least visually like maybe like a little bit better production value but like in terms of the the sort of visual language of the movie it looks kind of like what you would like a sci-fi channel original movie a little bit okay so
1: <laughs> i gotta chime in real quick so you're 100 percent dead on um firstly my first thought um also talking about snyder's visuals is again regardless of how you feel about his movies overall like I can think of his entire filmography, all the movies I've seen and point to or recall very specific shots and images, yes. as, as you mentioned, um, you know, the style and everything. He, I, I cannot think of a specific image or shot that pops out of to my head from watching this movie and having just seen it like a day ago. Yeah. Um, it's all just kind of like a muddled mess. And to, uh, to your sci-fi channel movie point, when I was watching this the other night, I was talking uh, to uh, Zach Goins and Jig Lawler and Josh Martin about it. Um, we I said this looks and feels like in the writing, like we'll get to that, but in <laughs> the acting and everything else. But it felt and looked like well, the way it was shot, the way it was, you know, everything like and no disrespect because people got their craft and, and their their passion projects and everything. But like one of those horror movies that you would see like crowdfunded like online that you would see uh like (laughs) like that only gets released like online for people to watch. And I was just like like a home like a student film or like like that's the level that I could point to. And the only real way to explain that is because Snyder chose to not have a cinematographer, I guess, like. There was yeah. no other guiding hand or element, and he just kind of like went and did his thing exactly how he wanted with no notes or any uh real direction other than his own um and he just it just does not look um uh, appealing in any not the color, not the camera movements not the uh the the choice of lens or the 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 depth of field that they're using in this like it's all just like I said a mess
0: like muddled um i mean the one the one thing it, it, that snyder has done that it also recalled to me and um when we discussed uh his justice league cut hunter howman and i specifically pointed to the the additional sequence with the joker that he shot right <laughs> and we're just kind of like you know i think we were sort of mixed on the that whole experience as a whole but we mm-hmm. specifically pointed to like that sequence as like regardless of like throw out what we said from like a storytelling point of view and how, and like not making sense, but we're just like, (laughs) that looked really bad and was just like, yeah. Uh, so like overexposed in places and blurry and, um, (laughs) like going in and out of focus or you could, you could clearly tell that like no actor is in the same frame as one another or maybe two people are in the frame at a time because you know, I'm, I'm not going to like, say using shallow focus is bad you that is an important tool of the filmmaking (laughs) process but there is a sort of way that like that sequence is shot that was just sort of like this feels like you have sort of like a very very cheap budget and and clearly like he shot that sequence in the confines of COVID-19 right and so it sort of made sense of like oh this clearly seems like you're sort of having to kind of patch together kind of like Individual shots of people, and have the background is not. You're not able to fully put all the effects in there, and it's this right. very, very tight set. And th- that that is sort of translated to this entire movie, which was not shot during the pandemic. I mean, there's <laughs> um s- some stuff due to uh one of the actors getting in a a bit of trouble over some some sexual misconduct and had to be replaced. Yeah. I think for the better with with the choice we'll get to they that. Picked. Um, but yeah, I I just there was something kind of cheap looking about it all. And I actually think the one sequence in the movie that I did enjoy is the opening credit sequence. If only because, uh, you know, from a sort of tonal standpoint, I think it has a little bit of the kind of tongue in cheek mania that I was wanting from the rest of the movie, but also, you know, you getting at uh, Snyder really being a filmmaker who thinks about sort of like distinct images and i think that's kind yeah. of what makes the sort of right. credits and the montages in his movies kind of like the best parts in it like you know <laughs> yeah. i'm not a fan of his Watchmen movie but the one part of it that's like oh this is like really really working is like the the opening credits of that and yeah. this kind you know because snyder is at his best doing montage this the opening credits of zombie <laughs> mayhem in las vegas and the kind of like strippers like attacking guys as their like toupees are falling off and right. the, you know there's the liberace singer and um just the you know there, there was one moment that kind of out loud made me laugh where like these army soldiers are being uh parachuted down into las yeah. vegas and as the parachute <laughs> slowing down the zombies are just kind of picking them out of the sky yeah. um but none of that mania is in kind of sense of fun feeds into the rest of the movie and i almost think my other than kind of how sort of ugly it looks as we've sort of been saying my other kind of problem with it is i think this problem where i think ultimately Zack snyder is just just takes it too seriously and is almost so interested in his movies about like my movies are about like these brave warriors just doing, doing the noble thing. And this movie sort of very quickly loses that kind of like tongue in cheek, kind of sarcastic. I don't think the, the, you know, I think he's using zombies as an allegory as everyone who uses zombies (laughs) uses them. But I think any kind of allegorical aspiration sort of goes out the window. And this needs to become this kind of like, Real sincere, ultra serious movie about these these fallen heroes who were were survived the zombie apocalypse and saved people, and now they're having to go back and get money because, I mean, it basically turns into to what's the the Ben Affleck Oscar Isaac heist movie Triple Frontier like the oh yeah the troops who like were wronged and didn't get the they were screwed they over it. yeah society it, it turns into that and has it all says a lot this, about
1: society actually
0: yeah i'm full exactly (laughs) uh speaking of the joker um but yeah it 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 has to turn into this sort of like mournful serious tone that you would expect from i don't know like lone survivor or something like that right yeah i don't think that quite works for the movie. It, it it sort of drags it down when you have this sort of ridiculous zombie premise
1: right and the last real quick last thing i'll mention about at least the visual like the way it looks Mm -hmm. um i think it's interesting to note that uh zach snyder is one of those filmmakers like tarantino like nolan edgar wright who's always been a big advocate of like shooting on film Mm -hmm. um film photography all of his films up to this point at least his features have been shot um on film and this is the first one where he actually shot digital um interesting and of course, Netflix is also known for, like, they're pretty, I wouldn't say they're anti-film, but they're like, we're shooting this on, on digital. Like, we're not going to bother with all that. Well, and like- that,
0: that is an interesting thing, because I also, I, I wanted to ask you about this, because, you know, I get this sense, unless it's something like a Martin Scorsese movie or an Alfonso Cuaron movie, there is kind of a thing that sometimes happens for movies that are made for Netflix, where there's there's a certain lack of style or a a lack of sort of bigness that you can get that i i feel like mo- traditionally filmmakers sort of like shooting their films to fill up a large screen and because right, people are yeah. consuming on iPads or on their television sets there's a shrinking and I, a lack of that sort of um definitely visual grandeur even if yeah. it is you know just two actors talking and I I have to wonder whether because this is a movie that was being made through Netflix, if that I don't know. Do you think that had anything to do with sort of like this feeling like very kind of TV movie in its style when normally Snyder, for all his faults, kind of goes for these very like operatic grand images?
1: Yeah, no, that is a very interesting point. I I had not even considered Um, because, yeah, it's hard to imagine, you know a man of steel as a netflix movie you know right. what i mean like i mean it just wouldn't happen obviously but the the way that you approach that visually and and uh, in that mindset could definitely be an, a factor i just it's hard to say especially with Zack snyder just because he, he's a very unique animal you know what i mean like right from a from a storytelling standpoint i mean when you were talking about the montages which are certainly his strong suit i think another one of my favorite sequences from watchmen in particular is the uh birth of dr manhattan sequence yes yes. yeah, which is very much montage as well the reason montage works so well for Zack snyder is because it's storytelling almost strictly through images (laughs) in a in a compilation like that that works for him um and you can lead very easily from one to the other and and just make it very succinct um but yeah so this though it's uh and this is something i mentioned on twitter i don't know if you might have seen it or not but i was talking to uh will mavity about it and we were saying that like it looks like you mentioned tv movie but it looks just so like i said septic (laughs) or like just so clean like for for a zombie film Mm -hmm. for like a post-apocalypse sort of like in in las vegas like it looks so uh, plain like there's just it's it's not distinct in any like real way i mean even comparing this to dawn of the dead Mm -hmm. um which is a a much you know it's lower budget than this and a little bit more low key uh, for a zombie film like that movie looks more distinct from a visual standpoint than this one does like yes it's it's not and that's a that's a freaking zombie movie from 2004 okay like it's not the the peak of cinema or like the peak of visual uh grandeur but um yeah no, that's an interesting point about about netflix in general and i just think I don't know maybe with more experience um, with digital filmmaking he, he maybe he's just still finding his footing or not really sure right. I mean if or if he was working with a, a you know um, distinguished like cinematographer it would be fine but I just I don't know I don't know it's hard to explain um, but yeah I think and even and even outside just the photography which we've gone you know talked about ad nauseum but like I know the budget was in the neighborhood of like 90 100 million um, you know i didn't think that the effects were like particularly you know amazing or mm-hmm. I, I mean of course the, the makeup and stuff and the uh, the gore and practical things like that i mean it's a zombie movie they're pretty much always pretty pretty damn good right. especially if they're at a moderate you know to high budget we, we've um, sort of
0: perfected that that yeah it's hard, point, mess, it's hard to mess it's hard to mess that up
1: yeah so but just everything else just it, it never like it never really did seem as you pointed out like if I were to see this on the big screen, because, um, you know, talking to Jake, he did actually see it in theaters out in L.A. Interesting. Um, and he said, you know, over the course of the weekend, as, as I've been talking about it more and as Josh has been talking about it more, he's kind of like been like, hmm, he's like, maybe it's just seeing it on the big screen. Like, I enjoyed it more. Right. Maybe it just like it was just a little bit more, you know, captivating. Um, but honestly, from my, like where I'm sitting, seeing this movie on a big screen for two and a half hours, I feel like would be giving me a headache like just from the sheer perspective of it being like almost an entirely blurred image, right. for like 90% of the film and just one like head that is clear. out um, in the middle of the frame. Like, I don't know. It, it's uh and we know that a, they kind of have franchise hopes for this. Seemingly. Right. I believe um, there's an
0: animated prequel. There's definitely like an animated development yes. or something like that. Yeah.
1: That's actually greenlit and totally going ahead. So that's, animated i mean it's a completely different medium so that 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 could have potential um but as far as a sequel film it seems like that's something that they have in mind Mm -hmm. um, or maybe a prequel film who knows um but yeah it's uh it's just a curious uh and and we know i was actually doing some research on this yesterday because i was just curious about the development process on this movie um this was actually something that they conceived back like 15 years ago or like Sh-
0: yeah during
1: or shortly after dawn of the dead Zack snyder came up with this concept um and it had been in development hell for you know more than a decade and right. then it was basically in in the uh the fallout of justice league that netflix was like hey come come over here like let's get mm-hmm. these rights from warner brothers and let's just make it like screw it let's go ahead uh and of course Zack snyder was all all game for that of course after what warner, what warner brothers did to him but uh right yeah i uh I don't know this it's just a strange uh development to now and then i'll be curious to see what happens afterward but um i i i'm not personally interested in like seeing stories in this world beyond this one i guess
0: no no i i wouldn't say i am either in the you know the last bit i'll i'll mention on the the visuals and then maybe we can get into sort of the cast and some of the other stuff but you know uh i know i mentioned on the the justice league pod that we did that even as striking as Snyder's images can be like the thing that always has sort of like irked me about his movies is is sometimes feeling like he doesn't quite, he like makes big visual choices, but then just like doesn't necessarily like understand like what that visual what is that, communicating. And so <laughs> I wonder if, some, yeah. if, yes, I wonder if some of it is just like, yeah i'll shoot this in like a like i'm sure he has a reason for like i'm gonna shoot this in like a really shallow focus the entire time but then as i'm watching it i'm like why is this in vegas then like you have this like very flashy kind of surreal like operatic city but like you're gonna make everything like a a fucking tight close-up of just like <laughs> you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. Why are you doing this visual choice? This is so weird, right?
1: Uh Well, that's that's funny because I know you're talking about the location. Like they shot the big casino interior that they use um mm-hmm. was in Atlantic City, I think. Um, okay, in a, in an old abandoned casino, and I think that just kind of. I mean, I understand the realities of going out into the world right, and making right. a movie like this, but I think that in a almost maybe ironic way kind of speaks to the fact that yeah i mean th- this being in las vegas doesn't really matter that much like it doesn't really no. inform the narrative very much or the character choices or like anything really um and it's and i i hate to harp on zack snyder because like i don't have anything he, personally he seems against like
0: the a night a very nice person that yes i yeah I, I i you know wish all the luck in the world to yeah, but it just and, I, and his his choices uh, <laughs> baffle me all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I you could probably I could probably have a beer with him and have a cool conversation. Yeah, be all, all kosher. But like every time I hear him, and I know he's like notably dyslexic, and like maybe isn't like the most well spoken or like articulate guy in the world. But it's like every time I see him in an interview, or like when he's being asked to like explain or like comment on like a decision or like a shot choice or anything like that, like it it's always like the like like surface level like, oh it was it cool or like that was badass or like it like there's no real like I never get anything beyond right like the initial at a glance what you would expect or like think of essentially. Um but that's interesting because segueing from that into the story, the narrative, right. the world building, um Zack Snyder was a writer on this as well. Um mm-hmm. and he wrote it with Joby Harold the legend himself uh from king arthur uh, legend of the sword or whatever the hell that movie was called with charlie on him forget um, that
0: exists all the time
1: <laughs> hey that that was gonna be um something big man um and then uh someone else who i can't remember his name he was a co-writer on john wick three um so those three worked together on this
0: shay hatton it looks like his name is yes
1: shay hatton that's right um so they wrote this together um then of course zack snyder producing and everything so what did you um think you know for a two and a half hour movie they definitely cram in uh some world building they cram yes. in uh some some background for the cast of characters that we have um and uh the narrative itself is it, it seems straightforward as far as the heist and everything the the main right. goal but then once you incorporate all the characters different motives and backstories and tragedies and all that it gets a little bit like more complicated, but what how did you feel from that standpoint um about
0: i I almost feel like I gotta kind of reference uh one of my favorite critics, chaos and Collins, who I think kind of touched on this idea in his review for Rolling Stone, but I kind of feel like this movie's caught in a weird place of like I wanted it to either be crazier or in needing to be leaner, like either flesh out these these backstories more you know there's Um, hints of kind of these interesting political ideas that you know this very much kind of seems like a a like a an end of the Trump era movie (laughs) and some of the like like kind of off the hand political stuff that is being tossed out about um you know immigration and there there's remarks about like president saying like I want to nuke the city because it would just look cool and stuff like that and and there you know there's talks there's like some i am legend-esque like zombie breed inbreeding going on here and like like there's some crazy and kind of wild and fun stuff and either go full on into that that craziness and full on into kind of flesh i feel like a lot of these characters are sort of half fleshed out so either give me more of that give me more of the like craziness of the world building or make this you know Make it heat but with zombies. Like make it a, a lean it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even need to be heat. Make it like Den of Thieves, but with with zombies. <laughs> like, like make uh, the lean yeah. B movie that you are are sort of uh wanting to pay tribute to, or right. go into the sort of full kooky craziness and like really, really explore the kind of like Romeroesque allegorical things right. that you're kind of slightly hinting at, but not Fully diving into right. if that makes sense.
1: No, that definitely makes sense. And I think I'm going to bring up an interesting comparison, and I'll probably get crucified for this potentially. But there, the this movie now fits in. It's part of its own new subgenre. Okay. Okay. Alongside Suicide Squad uh-huh. and Rogue One. Okay. <laughs> Okay, now I don't know how, what your feelings are about those other two movies that I mentioned. I um, d-
0: despise Suicide Squad, and Rogue One is a movie I could personally take or leave. So okay, continue. On. So,
1: but <laughs> so these movies, the first acts are complete like messes. They're they're uh-huh. they're jumping all over the place. Location, to location. You gotta introduce like six or seven, eight different characters. Give them some backstory. Give them some characterization. Set up whatever the the crazy mission is they're going on. Then the middle part, the second act, is just it. Honestly, I, and again, I don't know your feelings about these three movies and like the the big middle chunk, but I was pretty bored with this, like those three movies in general, and like the yes. middle parts, like the mission element um, is just not particularly captivating. And maybe maybe part of that is not just the story itself, but the characters that were like accompanying on the journey. um and and trying to relate to them and kind of knowing where they're coming from um and then finally the third act of all these is just blowing away all the characters um going for like big emotional swings potentially that just don't really feel like much of anything at all because you don't have that connection with many of them right um and ending on a wild kind of swing finale that just doesn't feel like earned or yeah it's like a twist or like kind of setting something else up um and it just uh I, i'm i'm not happy about <laughs> about uh, army of the dead and how it, it kind of unravels what it does with like the characters it feels um especially i mean dave batista just like starting with him like he's great. He's a great actor. Like I, 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 I
0: was definitely going to ask you about him, and I, he is the the other like one thing about the movie that I was like, <laughs> I, I, I will believe him as a an action movie star who can carry his own movie. Right. now, I mean, I didn't see whatever that uh buddy cop movie. Stuber with and, yeah, I di- I never saw that, but you know, <laughs> like I, I, I think he's very funny in the Guardians movies. I thought his like. 3 minutes in Blade Runner like you know gave mm. kind of like a surprising like quiet character actor performance and right. you know I I walk I finished this movie thinking this was not good but I I could see him as sort of a uh, the centerpiece of another like big action movie or big sci-fi movie if that makes sense.
1: Okay, good. Yeah, I I definitely hear you. Uh and, and agree. Um He's uh he's kind of like he can do a little bit of everything. It seems like he you know character actors you point out like Blade Runner with that little bit role, um and he can be a, a leading man in a big action movie. He can do the stunts. He can you know be badass. He can also do the comedy of the Marvel movies that we've right. seen. Um, and he's you know speaking about the drama. Uh, there's definitely. Some more dramatic moments in this film that I can see why he was enticed by them, like reading the script right. and thinking, "Oh, what can I do with this?" as like as a performer. Um, particularly the ending scene, the last scene with him, I thought was one of the one of the more notable, uh, uh, you know, positive moments of the film, at least on his side of things. Um, so yeah, I was I was very pleased with him, um, and yeah, that's about it. Uh, everyone else, I just felt like could take him or leave them. Uh, I thought the performances were all. Pretty bad. I hate to say it. Um, like I'm not like gonna sing. Like I'm not gonna single anyone out with the exception of, um, Tig Notaro, who was really thrown in, unfortunately, into this like very right. strange situation, as you mentioned earlier, where, um, Chris Delia, I believe, was the uh, actor who was originally yes, uh, cast. I, I believe um, so. He was connected with uh, sexual misconduct with minors. Um, so may hey, great. Great, great move by Zack Snyder. Netflix, you know, kind of ditching him, getting him out of the film, and then moving forward with Tig um, and, and, and you know, getting her a paycheck, getting her on board. Um, But unfortunately, and I don't know exactly all the details for how she was included, but I know they basically did reshoots with her, like just her, and yeah, like CGI'd I believe... her into almost like every single scene. Yeah, there was a um, quote
0: I just saw from Batista this afternoon that he was like, i haven't met her like what she she like <laughs> that's was, nuts that's so nuts. yeah and and it looks seamless in most of yeah. the the scenes yeah. i think um which is pretty impressive um right i i, I kind of liked her presence i think it you know if only to bring a certain lightness that i think yeah, in a movie exactly. that is trying to be so heavy and sort of earnestly dramatic i just yeah i, I missed that sort of sense of of fun that i was not getting from it if that
1: makes I, sense i definitely i definitely uh think you're right on there she her character i can't remember the name of the character unfortunately but well she was helicopter
0: lady <laughs> helicopter
1: lady yeah she's the pilot of the, the crew um and she she definitely has brings a light light uh bit to the the film she's you know got some dry humor kind of like some deadpan like very um uh, sarcastic and like kind of like a smart ass um she was funny, but uh, I think as far as like the performance, I feel like is a bummer because like she was basically acting with no one. Like she was like there right. by herself um, and like almost like a, what, what would I call it? It was almost like Star Wars prequel syndrome. Like she doesn't know what she's looking at. She doesn't know who she's right. supposed to be like interacting with. So it's all, and she's not the only performer in this like that, but she obviously has a huge excuse um, given that she was brought in the way she was, but yeah, it's just all, um, I wasn't, uh, and I'm not, and that's another thing too, I'm not really familiar with any of these actors outside of Batista um, from other films or like shows. Uh, I know of course um, you have Tanaka who's kind of, I guess the, the villain, like the guy who, who puts together this team, right. like asks and, and maybe Batista. has some
0: more nefarious, uh, pl- plans out outside of what the team knows.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it, it is kind of, you know, a, a far cry from, you know, talking about suicide squad, talking about rogue one, like the, this is a much smaller cast as far as like star power, but, um, the, the light is mostly kept, I would say on Batista, um, mm-hmm who pretty much leads the way, but um, outside of the like performances, I don't know if you had anything else to add about those or like the characters in general, but like the, the world and like the story, the way it kind of, you know, develops. Cause again, you're setting everything up for like almost an hour, I would say before they actually mm-hmm. get to Vegas they go in. Yeah, definitely. Um, then from there, it's like, okay, what can you do within the confines of like this city? Like what can you do with, the zombies the the like the the landmarks the the actual mission um was there, was there anything about it that like kind of was a bright spot to you or what did you think about it that could have been done better on that side of things as, as i've said it was like a disappointment i didn't think was taken to its fullest like advantage by any means
0: yeah i think i mean outside of that opening sequence i think it kind of like nosedives a little for me and yeah i, I think kind of what I was missing from the experience just just you know what I hinted at earlier is you know a little bit more playfulness a little bit more you know if you're going to do it in Las Vegas like (laughs) like like have fun with the Vegas uh iconography a little bit and you know make it I don't know. I, I was missing that a sort of a sense of visual grandeur, a sense of visual fun, as well as a, a sort of tonal sense of, of mischief, even if it's sort of like a nasty mischief. I mean, like right. his, his Dawn of the Dead remake is a like gnarly gross movie, but there's something yes. kind of exciting about how sort of like mean spirited and nihilistic is.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's spot on. And I think again, breaking it down to like the barest bones, they, once they're in the city, once they're in the walled off um, location where they they need to get into this building, they have to find the safe. They have to crack it, you know, get the money out. Um, you know, this safe could be anywhere. I mean, it could be in right. any city. It could be in any building in the world. Like there's nothing special or remarkable about once they're in there, what they do with that. I mean, the tiger shows up and they make like kind of an offhand funny remark i mean it's it's funny to us i guess but right. within the world it's like siegfried and roar like are, are what like I, I'm, yes. I'm sorry this joke is like 20 years old like what right is going exactly on? um it's very very much outdated and like kind of just like dumb um and then from there the tiger like the tiger was a big part of the marketing as well it seemed like they, right. they, they were leaning into that um and I, I didn't come into this movie expecting it to be the tiger show by any means but like that's just i think uh a microcosm of like what was missing. I think like okay, you yes you have this tiger, the zombie tiger. But wh- what are you gonna do with it? Okay, right. you have this one thing toward the end, and it seems like the tiger only exists to do this one thing. Seemingly, right? Um, and I just that's again just a small example of look at all these buildings, these iconic hotels, the the you know the strip, the um, like what can you do with the casino like elements right um it just all feels i mean the one shot the cool shot from the trailer of uh batista running along like the blackjack tables and like shooting zombies right okay that's like a that's like a five second sequence <laughs> um right, right and like again not super unique to to las vegas but still pretty cool like you can see the like the iconography they're using there like what they're invoking um uh, but yeah just uh And on top of that also uh, i'd be curious to hear what you think about you know you were talking about it needs to be um it's like bloated as it is right um but you could pare it down and make it more intense make it more fun or you really have to kind of like elevate it all like a little
0: bit more Um,
1: right and i'm curious because again bare bones main plot but then you have all of the world building elements that Zack Snyder is so fond of um, in the DC movies and in Watchmen and and these other universes he's played in. Like, what did you think? Did any of those like really work for you? Did they pique your interest at all? Were they, because for me, they just felt like, again, you're, you're doing just enough to annoy me (laughs) with the amount of like world building you're trying to do, but you're not doing so much that it makes sense or like pays off in any
0: real way. It, it just sort of felt like half, tossed off ideas or yeah it you know so- something that was sort of pitched in kind of a writer's room meeting or you know a writing session is like oh wouldn't this be cool or maybe we could explore this later on if we did a sequel <laughs> or something i, I right. don't know but it's just sort of like you know uh zombie mutant babies is, is and and like weird voodoo rituals <laughs> put on by the zombies like that go down that rabbit hole instead of you know like I uh, more kind of bro time between soldiers or something like that. Right. Like, like go like lean into the craziness or, you know, it, I keep getting these sort of weird tr- hints that like he wants to make a, a Trump era satire zombie movie. And it's like, if you want to do that, like do that, but don't like <laughs> tease me with it. And then like not do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh spot on. Um, it just yeah, it was uh very very strange. Some of like the ideas that they were, well, because I know again this the development of this goes back years and years, um, and they mentioned this was something. This was a quote that came out months ago. I think may may have even been last year that got some traction and was kind of alarming. But then everyone was like downplaying, like oh well. It it it's not actually gonna be in the movie. It was just like something they like tossed around and like it's not gonna end up happening. But it was like basically along the lines of like Zack Snyder had said, Oh well Or maybe it was one of the other screenwriters, someone involved that ended up being in the the final credit on this was like, oh well, what if you like what if a zombie like raped a like a normal human woman? Like what would happen? What like would there be some sort of like interesting like baby human hybrid? Like what would the It was just like what what the hell is going on like what <laughs> what and i'm like okay well thank god that's not going to be in the movie but like right knowing that they're their their headspace like that's kind of where they're at as far as developing ideas and and seeing what what sticks and what doesn't um and and on that same like line of of reasoning i think you know the the world building the plot points even the dialogue like this entire movie feels and this might be a reason why the length is such an issue as well it's just based on like what the page count of this damn thing probably was Mm -hmm. um like it definitely feels very much like not necessarily maybe first draft but like they did not spend a lot of time like crafting this thing up um into something like getting rid of any bloat or you know punching up any of the dialogue or anything like that like it all feels like again and this goes back to the The sci-fi channel like original movie like side of it or like the student film side of it or like crowdfunded like feature film like it just feels so like okay like this is like okay we got that shot like we got this line like just say this okay we're moving on like i I don't know that's like really the only way i can explain it and like unfortunately that feeling permeates throughout the entire like two and a half hours essentially um
0: and well Maybe uh I don't know. What 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 should Zack Snyder do next? He's in kind of a weird spot of like I feel like the 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 culture has kind of shifted around back in his his favor and he's like yeah. giving like funny interviews and stuff and saying right. he wants to like At this point I'm just like do do the fountainhead is like insufferable as <laughs> <of> that sounds <laughs> just, just, just like do it. at this uh, at this point it's just like go go for it. I don't know, is yeah. is it I, it doesn't sound like. I mean, maybe he'll be coaxed back into the DC universe, but I I don't know. Do you get a sense of like considering he's sort of <sighs> been at the the center of the film discourse for the last kind of couple weeks, like yeah. what he's going to do next potentially?
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's really hard to get a sense. I mean, after Justice League, you know, and after the tra- you know tragic death of his daughter and and everything else that was going on. It really seemed like he was down and out. Like I didn't really anticipate, right. didn't really anticipate him coming back in like a major capacity, or maybe, maybe not so soon, or like so largely as he has. I mean, this is could be argued. I mean, it's only May. This could be argued as his biggest year ever, like as as far as his career goes. Right. Um. And he had a big two major streaming releases, including, you know, a large win for him culturally and for his you know what you, what you would call his fandom with Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, and then this, which is a huge like Netflix original, um, and and really getting any side on that on the Netflix you know side of things, getting in with them, you know on this scale is definitely a plus for your career. Um, and uh, you know I would be surprised if he sticks with them. They they just say hey this this worked out really well. Go right. do a sequel or go ahead and do what you want. You know and we'll just you know we'll pay for it. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think streaming certainly works in his favor uh, because he does have such big uh, and quote unquote bold ideas when it comes to certain, you know, things and and projects that he wants to tackle. I think recent in a very recent interview, he said, because he's he's always clearly had this obsession with King Arthur uh, and legend and mythology. Um, And apparently he has a King Arthur story that he's working on that's set during like the gold rush, the American gold rush. Um, Okay. (laughs) so uh like who knows like maybe that'll turn into a netflix you know from the man
0: who is like what if owls but knights yeah like (laughs) what if king arthur but prospectors
1: right (laughs) yeah like that's what that's what we're looking i mean we could really do anything and i think again the streaming age helps because they're willing to take more risks netflix in particular like literally will green light anything Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think uh but but at the same time, for me personally, I just uh, I'm not looking forward to anything he's doing really. Like I I and I quite liked Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like I'm not gonna front at all. Like I was a fan of it. And I thought it was a good way of wrapping up his his story in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, if he did go back to DC, I mean, hey, who knows? I, I mean, I think nothing can you know be ruled out. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, I think I've kind of come to the conclusion. Just I'm not like. Not really in that you know that headspace of Zack Snyder's world anymore when it comes to uh, what he really likes to do. It seems.
0: Well, I think that about wraps this up for this episode, Johnny. Thank you so much for uh, stopping by. Where can uh, listeners check out your stuff?
1: Yeah, uh, so I'm the senior writer inside the film room. Also, co-host of the Inside the Film Room podcast with Zach Goins. Uh, we release episodes pretty much every week over there and, uh, I, uh, can be found on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. I can, you know, I love to engage with people over there. So my at is just Johnny Sobchak, S-O-B-C-Z-A-K is my last name. So, uh, yeah, say hi, uh, give me a follow and uh you know stay tuned I, i'm working on a big and i don't know if jesse's gonna be happy to hear this or not but i'm working on a huge uh oscars piece looking at next year that should be coming out in the next week oh or so. fun so stay i thought, tuned I thought you were about to be
0: like i'm writing Zack snyder's adaptation of the fountainhead by ayn rand i was gonna be like son <laughs> of a bitch um but uh yo, yeah johnny, that's a, can be- well johnny thank you for being on uh coming up in future episodes more summer movies I guess we're going to be talking Cruella, Quiet Place 2, eventually some Fast and Furious. Um, so don't forget to subscribe to Film Inquiry's The Latest and check out all the great pieces on Film